A beautiful thing about children is that they are just made to be loved. And they love easily and they are so easy to love. That is, in parents capable of being attentive and loving. Now for those of us who didn't receive proper love and care as children, we can sometimes be prone to seeing love where there is no love. And that's how I describe what limerence is. Hey, it's Anna here, just taking a little pause to talk about getting help when you're having a rough time. There are a lot of things you can try, and one of them is online therapy through BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible, and those are very good things, because finding a therapist can be really hard. BetterHelp makes it easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist who meets your criteria. And when you click the special link that I'm going to give you, it not only helps this podcast, but it gets you 10% off your first month of therapy. So you can connect with a therapist, see what happens, and if anything feels like it's not a fit, which is common in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. No stress about insurance or who's in your network or anything like that. So if you're struggling and you need to talk to a human, try BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-C-F. C-C-F stands for Crappy Childhood Fairy. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-C-F. There's also a link in the episode description if you need it. That might be easier. Thanks for sponsoring us, BetterHelp. Now, back to the show. Limerence normally refers to romantic feelings for someone, usually someone you can't have, where you become completely fixated on finding signs that they feel the same way. It goes to the degree that it's like a destructive addiction. But these feelings are not always directed at romantic interests, as it turns out. And I've seen this in my work, in the letters I receive. Sometimes limerence shows up as a maladaptive attachment to a parent figure. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Lindy, and she writes, Hi Anna, I am a 30-year-old and my question is this, can we have limerence outside of romantic relationships? In my young adult life, I think I developed strong feelings, most of them based on fantasies, for a woman that was more like a potential mother figure to me. All right, I've got the fairy pencil. I'm going to circle things I want to come back to on a second reading, but let's read through what Lindy is saying and see what's happening here. Okay. She was my teacher at university and our interactions, I don't even call it a relationship because it wasn't real, were full of the emotional roller coaster, obsessive thoughts and idealization. And that came at a time where my life was very empty. I also have to mention that at this point, I was single and I never had a boyfriend. Uh-huh. After this, I graduated and started to work as a teacher in the same school I studied at as a kid. And from the experience, I learned how important it was to be grounded in reality. And with therapy, I got better. My new responsibilities at school did me well. And over the years, my superior at work, the headmistress, and also my former teacher, offered me her friendship and support. Then I was a novice. She helped and mentored me. We became closer and my joy was full uh, when she said that for her, I was like a daughter, though I felt it even without words. But even with her kindness and consistency, I get dysregulated sometimes. And then she gets to reproof me and she has to do that sometimes as part of her job. And then I find her busy, all the old feelings of fear and abandonment return. 
and I want to take full responsibility for that. I have also a boyfriend now for the first time for four months, a great guy who shares my interests and values and respects me and is ready to wait for sex for another four months. Wow. That is strange that he, he doesn't trigger me so much. Um, as the relationship with the person I could call a mother figure. Yeah. My question is, is this normal and why is it so? A little background. My parents separated when I was five or six years old. They're good people, not alcoholic, not abusive, but my father was very um, not present, so much so that I never even felt I had a father in my heart. And my mother never said to me a harsh word, but our communication was never good either. We argued a lot in my young adult life. All right. Uh, Lindy, I think I can help. So I've just circled a few things and I'm going to go back and read what you told me about the situation. That this has happened twice, so you have a pattern that twice you've become so into a mother figure that it basically involves, I guess you would say, yeah, the roller coaster, obsessive thoughts, intrusive thoughts. Limerence has been described in literature as an involuntary, potentially inspiring state of adoration and attachment to a limerent object, or LO as they say, involving intrusive and obsessive thoughts, feelings and behaviors, from euphoria to despair contingent on perceived emotional reciprocation. And they say that while not inherently sexual, limerence is almost always romantic in nature, and that's a lot of the videos I do about limerence are about romantic limerence, but it's very possible to have adoration to the point of intrusive thoughts show up in an attachment to a parental figure or to authority figures or friends. There's different ways it shows up. And I got my first letter from somebody who has what you're talking about. It was a couple years ago. And I almost want to find that letter. It, it moved me. I thought about it for months. Like, do I want to do this letter? But I was confused. I just didn't understand what was going on. It's, I don't think it's something that I've personally had. And so, you know, if I have experienced something myself, it's, it's a launching point for me to be able to be helpful. But I was confused by it then. But now several times people have written to me and said, I think I'm limerent, but for a mother figure. Limerence is a mystery. Some people, by the way, have, it, there's a genetic component. It's not solely genetic, but let's just say you have a genetic predisposition to get limerent. You didn't have a very strong connection to your parents at all. And you sound like a very feeling person and that somehow in there, you you didn't get what you needed. And there's something in you that's trying to develop, that's trying to blossom and mature, but something feels incomplete. So it makes sense to me that a mother figure, I mean, a mother figure, a woman who sees you and thinks you're wonderful and helps you out in practical ways, like, I mean, who doesn't want that, right? <laughs> But when it gets to be intrusive thoughts, yes, it's, it's awkward and it could damage your relationship with this mentor that you have. And it could also, and it remains to be seen, you know, I don't see any research on this, but just in my observation, anything that's obsessive or intrusive thoughts, it does interfere with the ability to form a close relationship. So it's not desirable to have that fantasy level of energy going on about a real life person. I don't really have the words to say it, but it's, it's like thwarting. It's a diversion of the love that you have to give and the admiration that you have to assign to people. And um, if you've ever had anybody get limerent on you, either romantically or otherwise, 
it's uncomfortable. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like true connection. So what I like is that you're dating now that you're finally having a relationship. And I'm going to also suggest what I suggest to everybody who has limerence, which is it's time to get more joy in your life, joy for yourself in your alone time and joy with other people, that joy of connecting, of being part of something, of, you know, taking a little trip with a group or singing together with a group. It's literally re-regulating for, for our, our, traumatized minds, but it also, there's something about our nervous systems where we're really, when we're near each other, we're part of one organism. We feel each other. That's why when people BS you, when you go, Hey, you seem mad. And they go, no, I'm not mad, but you know, they are, your nervous system knows, right? You're connected. And so when we're around people and we can be at peace around people, we can start to experience the nervous system connection with other people, the subtle, unspoken, non- you know, nonverbal communication that we have with other people. When that's in place, it gets a lot easier to connect on every other level. That's a lot of what it feels like to have CPTSD is as if a lot of people got the Wi-Fi password, but you didn't get it. And you're just there like, what's everybody talking about? What's everybody doing? What's it's, it becomes impossible to read the room. You can't tell what is the mood? What is somebody actually feeling? How do they feel about me? When you can't read that, it's really easy to overestimate how somebody else feels about you. And that's a lot how these obsessions get started. I think I'm getting signals. So when you're like really grounded in, in reality, as you figured out, it's harder to do that, but still it can become a habit to escape, to go into a comforting escape by slipping away into the fantasy of this amazing person who makes everything right in your life. And it's very hard to reason with somebody who's doing that. You're going to have to <laughs> soul search on it and start to be willing to notice when it's happening and then remind yourself, ah, I'm having the urge to escape. And it's the same as somebody like deciding to have a drink when they already know they shouldn't do that or take drugs or, you know, eat a, a whole thing of ice cream or whatever it is, an escape behavior. Watch TV all day instead of go to work. Like people with CPTSD often have, they feel a need to escape into something. And there comes a time in healing when we don't have to do that anymore. Maybe it will be gradual, but being able to stay in reality means we need to have our own need met for stability, for joy, for nutrition, for rest, for connection with other people. And so I know that it doesn't sound very exciting or psychological, but just like the regular things that make you happy. Um, I have a friend who recently got into ceramics and who had no idea that's what he was into and he loves it and he's always in the studio for long periods of time and then he does other stuff in his life. But it just gives him this great joy and it supports him in being able to show up for real in his other parts of his life, his relationships and his, his um, studies and his work. So I really urge you to do that. What I hate about limerence is it tends to, you know, it just sort of takes all that participation energy. It takes all that creativity and it just sends it off literally into a black hole. It goes nowhere. Like nobody receives that. It creates nothing. It feels like that's what's happening. It feels like everything's so colorful, but nothing comes of it. And if it goes on a long time, <laughs> you can end up feeling very sad about the years wasted in your life. So I urge you to put a stop to it. Now, for people who have romantic limerence, I usually encourage them do whatever it takes to not have contact with this person. I see that this would be a very difficult thing for you to do with this woman. And so 
I'll, I'll suggest an interim thing that might help in the meantime, which is that you have a buddy or a group of people who you can text when you're about to see this woman and say, I'm going to see her right now. I'm just committing to you that I'm not going to go into fantasy and I'm trying to stay real. And they go, thank you. I hear your commitment. And then you bookend with them. Later, after you saw the woman, you text them and you go, I did it. I handled it like this. There was a minute where I felt a little funny, but I just handled it. And then I left and I'm just going to go home now and I'm going to eat some good food. And that's how you do it. You do it as if that's the way addicts do it. That's the way they get through tough situations where they're around the thing that triggers the addiction. So if you're willing to take it that seriously, you can get over this and you can have all that creative and imaginative energy and love to give and put it into your real life, which is where it belongs, which is where it can actually like grow and bear fruit. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs in the episode description below or on my website, crappychildhoodfairy.com. If you're going through a hard time and you need online therapy, I encourage you to check out BetterHelp. They're easy and affordable and they can connect you with someone you choose within a few days. And if you use this special URL, you not only help this channel, but you get 10% off your first month of therapy. So go to betterhelp.com slash ccf, as in crappy childhood fairy. That's betterhelp.com slash ccf. And remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.